Hello and welcome to Real Talk for Mums. Two personal trainers coming together through birth trauma to bring laughs, tears and a lot of real talk around the health and well-being of mums. Unedited, raw and unapologetically ourselves, Mags and myself, Lara, aim to empower mums with the knowledge and support they deserve to live their best lives. Come join us for a new episode every week. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I I wanted to talk about this one because it's very, very topical in the mum world. Sleep, especially sleep around babies. And I was just chatting to Hannah just then about how even the general public, when they see a baby, they ask you, oh, how old are they? Oh, how are they sleeping? Are they sleeping through the night? And there's so much pressure around sleep. And I has struggled with it a lot with my firstborn who's four and I was always the mum who had the non-sleeper so I was always in that group it's like how's it going is he sleeping yet is he sleeping a bit better so I'd always feel like I was doing something wrong and he was the child that was sleeping wrong and I only know now since having my second son that all of that was okay. And I was just going through all of this sleep training and sleep coaching and listening to people like CAFs and doing like day things where they they get you, to, you get watched on how you're handling your baby throughout the day. Like, are they, are they um, sleep, feed, play, doing that thing? Are they linking their sleep cycles and all of this pressure? And I remember at the end of it, the CAFs nurse said to me, well, your baby's quite feisty, so you might have a little struggle, but good luck. I was like, is it? I've had a day with you, feeling like I'm the worst mother in the world, and then that's what I'm left with. In the end, I ended up just not listening to anyone and just doing what was right for me. But it took three years, three and a half years, and then having my second son. So this is why I want to talk about it, because I actually went into... um it's Adelaide Women's and Children's, recommended by a mum. And she said, they said to me that they follow this sort of sleep method or possums. We were trying to describe it, weren't we? Possums way of helping you understand baby's cues and environments and things. Um, anyway, that's why I reached out to Hannah. I was introduced by a friend, weren't we? And um Hannah is actually here, by the way. I've just blabbed on about sleep because I want you to all understand that this is just me talking about my experience and the method or the idea that I've been following now that's been helpful. And I don't want any mum or dad to listen to this and think I should be doing it this way because I've been told this now. I want you to be, I always use this analogy, I want you to be a, a bucket. Take the information on, put it in the bucket and take out what works for you and your family and your child rather than being a sponge and taking everything on. And I keep using this analogy because it works so well with my first son. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Hannah. Thanks. <laughs> it was a great intro, I think. Uh, and kind of sets the scene, I guess, for what we're talking about with sleep and babies and how overwhelming it is mm, definitely yeah. so it is a big thing isn't it yeah it is yeah. the main thing that you talk about with your mums 
Yeah. And it's also, I think um, everyone has their own challenges with their baby and with their sort of postpartum journey and things. But I think sleep is is a challenge for a lot of people, but also sleep deprivation is, is hard. It's really hard. So it puts you, I think, in a really tricky headspace sometimes too, where you are more susceptible to maybe people's comments or people's questions or feeling like you're a bad mom because you can't sort out your baby's sleep. Like it's a really multifaceted thing, but I think for most well for for a lot of mums becomes a, like quite a stressful thing I still feel like mums don't actually aren't open enough to say to their mum friends this is fucking hard this is a challenge and my baby doesn't sleep well they're still like oh I've had a bad night's sleep but it's kind of still keeping that front up because you don't want to look like a bad parent yeah yeah uh, yeah I mean, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly second born I'm just like whatever this is shit <laughs> Yeah, and I think you've just got to acknowledge, well, I mean, I know for me as a mum too, um, that there will be parts that are quite hard and that are bloody hard, really. And it took me a bit to be okay with that um, and to, yeah, to not feel like you're doing something wrong, to just know that it is like a season and it might be hard, especially with sleep. Like my son was was pretty low sleep needs as well. And, you know, we had months of um, lots of wake-ups at night and not much day sleep and and that kind of thing and and yeah it is hard and I think going this is hard um but I don't necessarily have to fix it that was something that really helped me like the approach of being like this is hard but it's developmentally normal it's not something that I have to spend extra mental energy fixing as such I mean you still don't get me wrong I still had days where I would be like oh what can we change uh and I did do do those things but I think this just this approach of like look there's a couple of things that we can really control with baby sleep focusing on that and then focusing on you know how can I make my days more enjoyable when I am tired I think that's what really resonated with me when I had this appointment is that you're not doing anything wrong this Mm. is what baby does and I think why I found it so hard is because I seem to be surrounded by mums who have sleeping children, who have like occasional bad nights. And I'm the mum again, who has this child who wakes every two hours. And I'm constantly being told now that this is physiologically normal for a baby of his age. He catnaps in the day Mm. and he wakes every two hours. And that's a good night. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he's now, now I understand the possum's sort of um, ideas is that he's a slow a slow (laughs) he's a low sleep need baby and understanding that and the myths that we're going to talk about because they were big like Mm. it blew my mind and I'm like if only I could go back four years I would change so many things but hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it Mm. and that's where I feel really lucky actually like I'd I had done the possums training about three years ago just under three years ago and I'd um you know, working as a, as a private midwife and as a lactation consultant, I did that training because people were asking me about sleep and we don't have much training as midwives around sleep. And we do a bit as a lactation consultant within how it relates to feeding, but, but not so much outside of that. And that's why I went and did the training, um, which was great and, and really interesting. And I've, I've sort of been implementing those, those approaches with clients over the years and, um, or, or, you know, sort of, you know, um, 
putting the ideas there that possums is an approach or this is a different way that we can look at sleep because I wasn't um, accredited as a practitioner, which something I'm sure we'll probably talk about later, but I'm, I'm in the process of, of becoming accredited as a possums NDT, NDC practitioner at the moment. Um, but back then I wasn't, but I'd done the training. And then when I had my son um, last year, he's just over one, I feel like something that helped me so much in that time was that it was already so ingrained to me. Um, and so normalized and so I didn't expect I, I I you know when he started waking frequently at night I kind of expected that and I also didn't have any pressure on day sleeps like I I just remember things like he would just catnap all the time and he would contact nap and it never occurred to me that that was a problem because I had lived this approach you know like I'd been you know I'd done that training before and so I feel really lucky that I had all of that stuff uh like that was my dominant kind of message I guess in my brain in that time um and you still get swayed like don't get me wrong I still bought like a random sleep guide at some point because I was like maybe we should try something else but I knew like I knew like at the core that I wasn't harming him I wasn't stuffing up his sleep it wasn't something that I was doing he would take the sleep he needs like that was what was in the back of my mind and I felt like that massively helped having a low sleep needs baby and like you said you know this time you wish you knew this before which is hindsight is is amazing um but that's something that I yeah feel really lucky that I had that approach in the start and that's why I'm really passionate about sleep stuff now because you know it's 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 a stressful thing for people and it doesn't it's hard but it doesn't necessarily have to be this this stress and this kind of anxiety around it I think yeah definitely and what a wonderful addition to your array of uh skills that you are as a practitioner having that yeah that's sort of why I didn't go through the accreditation at the time because I was like oh I've got too many things on my plate I think that's when I was also doing my lactation consultant exam and I was like oh I don't have time which is kind of ironic now because as a mum I have less time now to do it back and you're like I had so much time I I was like I should have done it then um but 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 I mean you know I think the thing now is that I probably would have felt a bit um like offering consultations as Potsdam's practitioner back then, if I was going to do that, I probably would have felt a little bit um, not as confident because I hadn't lived it. Whereas now I've, you know, my son's 14 months and he was a very wakeful baby and he was a catnap and he was a true kind of Possum's baby, you know? And so I feel like I've now had the personal experience um, supporting people yeah, like to to them go and be able to support people with with their baby waking because that felt a bit like for me as someone who didn't have a baby if I was to go and say it's normal for your baby to wake too early at night like that is the facts but I just felt a bit like a fraud like like I'm not living it I'm not going through that whereas now I feel like I have so I feel that's what's probably spurred me more into doing that so yeah you would have been yeah you would have said well actually I've gone through this and this is what I've been doing myself you could try that you could try this yeah and it's not you know it, it's kind of like, like you know as practitioners in anything we you know it's not all about our experience and I even when I'm doing like my hypnobirthing classes and stuff like I talk about my birth a little bit but I don't want to make it just about me and what I did like I think you know we've got to be evidence-based and we've got to look at the research and everything um, but I think when it comes to stuff like this and as a new mum like you want to you want to kind of I don't know, hear from people that have been through it, I think. Really resonate with people. Yes, qualified for sure. And space, but having known that you lived through that as well, and I'm like, okay, I'm not harming my baby because she's Mm. done it. She's been through it and she's following Mm. this sort of idea as well. Yeah. 
yeah yeah and also the idea that even I guess as a like I'm like I'm like I said I'm not accredited as a as an NDC practitioner yet but you know like I have the training and I have the the evidence-based information I guess and my baby did still wake at night and still does wake at night now you know it's reduced a lot in frequency and stuff but um you know he still wakes at night and and I'm okay with that like it just yeah it's um I don't know it feels very like every all everything that I'm doing as part of the accreditation process at the moment is so nice because it does like I don't know I just it helped me so much on my journey and if, if I can even help one person to just you know be able to look at their baby's sleep in a different way then that's kind of why I'm doing it that's lovely and hopefully this episode will actually help some mums be like okay I'm not screwing up my baby um and that's why I wanted to do this let's get back what are you because you are you've you've got an array of qualifications and just let listeners know what you actually do yeah, so um, so I'm a midwife, a registered midwife. I've been a midwife for almost ten years, and um, currently work as a as a private midwife or a privately practicing midwife. Um, so that means that we work um in in the community, so outside of the hospital. We're not employed by a hospital or anything. Um, and private midwives work in all different ways. But for me and the the team of midwives that work with me, we predominantly focus on postnatal care. Um, we do a bit of antenatal care as well, but predominantly we do postpartum support over the first six weeks. So lots of help with feeding and newborn care and recovery and, um, yeah, just really comprehensive midwifery support over that first six weeks and continuity with the same midwife through that time. Uh, I'm an IBCLC, so a board certified lactation consultant, um, I'm also a hypnobirthing educator, so I've been teaching hypnobirthing for almost seven over over seven years now. I think. Um, yes, I think that's it. Yeah. I trained as a life coach too, but that's I don't know. Those, I use those skills a lot when working with clients. But um, me too. I did the same thing. Qualified as a life coach, and I was just like, no, I actually help me with skills now, but I don't necessarily call myself. No, no, I wouldn't call myself a life coach or anything, but I do definitely, yeah, I think that training was something that, yeah, I still incorporate that in in the work that I do with mums. And now sleep as an addition for you. Yeah, exactly. Now sleep. Yeah, which it all, you know, it all fits together, I think. Um, And yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's all, you know, it's, it's a lot of different aspects I guess to our business um and the different ways that we can support people but you know that's what we're about really is about supporting people with what they need and that's always been what I've um focused on with my um business is providing services that fill a gap really that's how I got into doing childbirth education because I felt like there wasn't enough through the hospital to really prepare people and that's how I got into the postnatal midwifery because I felt like a lot of people were discharged and then I uh, didn't have any support for weeks so you know and breastfeeding is complex and hard for a lot of people and, and um, the majority of people don't breastfeed for as long as they wanted to which is really sad so yeah it kind of all just like unfolded I guess with it's all of that very needed there is a big gap like you say um with postpartum care and just support for mums in general um could you explain a little bit because you'll probably explain it better than me the the possums sort of idea um because i i looked up the sort of on google what it was and it's neuroprotective developmental care aims to protect brain and gut yeah yeah maybe you can expand on that and I might even not be correct with that yeah so I think um yeah the terminology can sometimes be a little bit confusing but I think the possums approach uh really looks at 
a few key areas I think when we're when we're supporting families as practitioners or when when parents are looking at um looking at something to particularly support their baby's sleep so possums looks at the milk perspective so feeding baby um it looks at sleep as well and then it also looks at aspects around um maternal well-being and um emotional health for families and i i really like that as well because i think it is all tied together um we know that for babies you know particularly small babies if there's issues with breastfeeding or with their milk intake that can affect their sleep uh that can also be really mentally challenging for mums as well so it all kind of you know comes in together um and yes the ndc perspective i think there's a lot in the possums approach around understanding uh baby a baby or or a um, infant's brain development um, what is biologically normal, what what is biologically driving their sleep, um, and also their gut as well. So their gut is a whole separate kind of thing, but um, their gut is really quite immature when they're born and, and it can take time to mature. And that. So then when we look at things like, you know, colicky behaviours or the witching hour or that kind of thing, I think possums takes a real approach of understanding the physiology behind it rather than pathologize like like creating a, a, a medical problem i guess uh and that's what i like as well because that's what the research really supports is that you know colic is kind of a term that we use i guess because it's well known and it describes a set of symptoms but it's not like a illness or something to be um that we have to treat i guess i think understanding understanding what's normal understanding what we can do to support our babies as well with their nervous system regulation because that's going to help their sleep um, with their sensory development, with also our sort of sensory nourishment too. So what I mean by that, like they're big possums terms, but like what are we doing with our babies in, in the day? Are we just at home with them all day? Because they're probably, you know, for a lot of babies, they're going to be calmer and they're going to get a lot more um, brain sort of stimulation by being out and about or being outside or, you know, and also for mums, um, you know, looking at our needs and by going and socialising, that meets that sort of filling our cup for you know the people if that socializing does fill their cup and yeah so it's like it's really multifaceted and that's probably why it's hard to explain possums and I probably even didn't do the greatest job of it then but I think um the possums NDC approach is really about uh the research that we have around sleep feeding maternal mental health how that is all quite intricately linked and and we would approach it looking at all of those factors not just sleep or not just feeding Amazing. So it's it's a holistic approach. And I love that you were using the term support rather than fix things. And I think yeah. that's why it's so different. And it's not a it's not a tr- um, sleep training or sleep coaching like we were talking about before. It's just a way to support baby with what you've got right now in your family. Like, and what you can control, too. I think um, possums sometimes um, I feel like because there are so many sleep training programs or guides or sort of follow this schedule and this will fix your sleep problem sometimes when people come to possums I think they can be a bit like ah oh, like well well tell me what to do kind of thing and and there's only a couple of things really that regulate you know a baby's sleep like setting the circadian clock and sleep pressure and that's the two main drivers and so I guess we look at those things and, and not necessarily fixing those things but but are they uh, out of whack a little bit and could we work at supporting them a bit more um but then acknowledging what's normal in babies and also the massive variation of normal like I always find it so interesting I um, should have pulled up the stats because I was looking at it the other day but like the normal range of 
of how much sleep a baby needs at each age. Like it's it's huge, the range of, of sleep of what's normal. I think newborns is something between like newborns need between roughly 10 and 18, 19 hours of sleep in, in every 24. Yeah. And that's, if you have a baby that is on the lower end of that and your friend has a baby that's at the higher end, and I have this, like my, one of the mums that I met at mum's group who lives a few streets away from me and we catch up and it's great. Her baby is like probably a high sleep needs kid and he's always had so much more sleep than my son and it's we've sort of joked about it because I think we both have a pretty you know like holistic look at it like but he is a higher sleep needs kid and Archie's a lower sleep needs kid and we kind of joke about it but you know it's um this is the same with Mags and I Mags has got a high sleep need baby and I'm like well how do I how do I get one yeah why do I not have another yeah I know and it does make you some I mean it I mean it crosses my mind too like I think having a low sleep needs baby is hard like it's hard work and it's kind of exhausting yeah, too, you know? I think I have to admit when I had that appointment and they said to me you're doing everything right but your baby's just a low sleep need baby they need more stimulation in the day on top of the fact that you need to entertain them more but on less sleep yeah it was a bit like where's my fix are you shitting yeah. me I have to deal with this it was a bit of a kick in the teeth but then when I step yep. back and realize one I'm not doing anything wrong two I can support him and three I think that these four myths that we're going to go into now really really helped me mm. um, understand mm. and and feel better and take the pressure off yeah yeah and you can pick and choose that and, and I think like I think also um you know it's okay to wish that your baby did need more sleep like I, I think you know sometimes I thought especially in those early days I thought wow imagine how much work I could have got done if I had a kid that's needed more sleep but he just doesn't he just doesn't and we've tried different things and I'm sure we'll talk about this with the myths but you know if he goes if he has too much sleep for what he needs in 24 hours our nights are horrendous and when he doesn't they're manageable and so and, and we only really found that out through trying it you know sometimes I, I would let him have a bit more sleep just to see because that's the thing I th- and that's what I like about possums is it lets it, it encourages you to experiment and to pick and choose what works for you and even for me with my son I, I didn't do everything textbook possums like I, I tried different things and then I found what worked for us and I think to me that that's one of the biggest benefits in the possums. Like I've said, I'm kind of repeating myself, but it encourages you to experiment and to, to take the pressure off and to understand your baby's sleep needs too. That's lovely. And I think listeners really need to hear that. It's just, it's what works for you. There is no right or wrong. Just Mm -hmm. go with your own gut. What works Mm -hmm. for your child, your family. Yeah. And at this point in time too, you know, things can change as well. I think there's always that, that sort of message that oh well if you do this you're creating a rod for your back and you're always going to be doing that or your baby's always going to need need this and it's just not the case like so much of it is developmental and they eventually you know like my son was like a serious contact napper I don't think he had any naps for the first six months that weren't on me or in the car in the carrier and then one day he just stopped and he now he has a, a a decent like a pretty big sleep in the day independently I mean he need, he feeds to sleep still which is fine but but once he's asleep he's not on me and you know I kind of always had that in the back of my head that it won't be like this forever and I think sometimes that's the other thing is we can get quite caught up in the future of what sleep might look like and what will this be like when I go back to work or what will this be like with a two-year-old and we just don't know they just change they just do different things yeah 
and it's up and down too like you said with before we started recording like with teething and sickness I find that with sickness like his sleep just goes a bit rubbish when he's congested because he's waking up more and like it's just it's understandable isn't it yeah Yeah. and I think like acknowledging that it's not you haven't messed up your schedule by you know changing things a bit when your child's sick or teething or whatever like it's just a whole different approach isn't it yeah definitely Mm. on that note I'm going to share these four myths um, and we'll go through them. But I really want mums and dads to understand because these are the ones that really hit home for me. Um, one was when I had the appointment, she said, um, do you feed your baby to sleep? And I and I was like thinking, yes, but do I tell her? Is What's that fine? Because I'm told I'm not meant to, but I'm still going to do it. So what do I say? And I said, yeah. And she said, okay, great. I was like, what? What do you mean? Everyone tells me don't feed to sleep. <laughs> and she's like, feed to sleep. They need it. That's what they want. Yeah. And feeding to sleep for a lot of babies is going to be their preference. You know, not all, but a lot. Their tummy's getting filled up. They're warm. They've got, you know, all of this, you know, cozy sensory stimulation. And their um, the hormones in the breast milk can help them to feel quite sleepy too. So, like, it's it's kind of biologically normal for them to fall asleep at the breast. Yeah, and I'm not talking about, you know, I think you should probably mention like for, you know, babies, if there was um, issues with their growth or something, then, you know, sometimes we would be watching that, I guess, a little bit as a lactation consultant. But for a lot of babies that are healthy, gaining weight well, feeding beautifully, for them to fall asleep at the breast as their method of getting to sleep is really normal. Yeah, lovely. Listen to this. Feed your baby to sleep if your baby needs it. Yeah, and... And it's often going to be the easiest way for parents too, um, or the quickest way to get their baby back to sleep. And especially in the nighttime, I think it's really helpful to look at what is going to help you as a family to get the most sleep. And for a lot of people, feeding to sleep is going to be easiest. Um, sometimes like for, for my son, when he, he, like I said, he always feeds to sleep pretty much. Like he can, you know, at this point now, um, uh, he can like if I'm out in the day my partner can rock him to sleep um but for a while he couldn't do that he just really wanted to feed and we just sort of made peace with that for that short season but now um he can but it's much easier and much quicker for me to just feed him to sleep so that's usually what what we do um but I think um yeah like like knowing that that's normal um and if there is a point where it's not working for a family anymore, you can experiment with other things as well. You're not locked into necessarily doing that forever. But but if it is the quickest thing and the easiest thing, um, which I know for me at nighttime, it's, you know, it's much easier. That's what I was saying. Sorry, when, when my son's teething, he sometimes doesn't feed to sleep. It's like he needs a bit more movement or something. So I often end up getting up and rocking him. And I just find it exhausting having to rock him for like 10 minutes as opposed to, you know, sideline feeding him. It's just, exactly. you know. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it feels much better that you do the same as well. Yeah, yeah. He does when he's teething. He's he doesn't want to necessarily just be fed. He's just annoyed and he needs that sort of rocking and walking around. But it's exhausting. I'd yeah. rather lie down like I would do in the night. Just feed. My boobs are just going to be horrendous when I stop feeding. Imagine they're just like udders, just. <laughs> the bottom because you just I lean over one side stretch the other boob over so I don't have to move too much or move him but it's yeah. so much easier yeah exactly and, and look again like for some families it doesn't work or they're or you know um safe bed sharing is not what they want to do and that's 
that's fine. You know, like we don't have to do this, but if it's working for somebody, they don't need to change it. Mm. And it's great that you had that experience with, with the GP because um, yeah, often it's comments from health providers where they go, Oh, Oh, you're still feeding to sleep or, Oh, you know, that's a negative sleep association or something like that. Like it just, it, it can set you off on a little bit of a stress pathway, I think. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, next one is the sleep begates sleep. And I'm always told this, it, like by my mother, by everyone. It's like, if your baby needs to sleep more in the day for them to sleep longer at night. So obviously I tried that. I tried it with Monty. I tried it with Arthur before I knew about the possum's idea. And um, he had a horrendous night's sleep because he slept so much in the day. But because Mags's child sleeps big chunks in the day not realizing that he was a different type of baby I, I know he's different but for me I'm like well sleep begates sleep that's what I'm told mm-hmm. it's still a big message out there but I think probably the, uh, the best way I think I guess to kind of quash that myth is to think about adults really and how our sleep pressure rises right throughout the day so we sort of get more and more tired. And for babies, that sleep pressure does rise quicker. And that's often why they need naps, right? But if we, say, had a heap of naps in the day or a really long nap in the day, that's probably going to blow out our bedtime a bit or we're not going to feel as tired. And again, not for everybody. And sometimes you have a catch-up day. And for some kids, they do need more sleep. But I think this whole idea that for every baby sleep breeds sleep is just not true like it's just not and and looking at the whole idea of sleep pressure and how um, babies need a certain amount of sleep in 24 hours and for most babies if they're taking a lot of that sleep in the day that's going to then impact how much they take at night and for a lot of people like you know like what you were saying a lot of people that I've worked with with my son the same thing if he takes too much sleep in the day he's he does wake really frequently at night um and again this is where the experimentation can coming for people so if if someone is feeling like oh but I feel like for my baby they do need more sleep in the day well you can try with that and see what happens but then don't be afraid to trial a bit less sleep in the day too and see what happens and this is my this is my thing that drives me nuts is all these hard and fast rules with sleep like that sleep breeds sleep because it's just it's just not true and I think it you know it feeds into that whole sort of overtiredness myth as well which we'll talk about but um yeah it just basic biology Sleep does not breed sleep for most babies. I'm glad you've said that. Lead on to the next one because the next myth was don't let baby get overtired, overstimulated. And I'm I've been doing that for so long. Oh careful, we don't want him overstimulated because he's not going to sleep well at night. Don't get him overtired. I think he's overtired, he's past it now, and he's not going to sleep. Um, but I love what I was told in this appointment was uh babies build up pressure throughout their day so they have they play they do sensory stuff they go outside they get to a, a high level of pressure point where they need to sleep you don't have to put them down you don't have to create um a good sleep environment for them to do it when they're tired they will sleep their pressure drops and then pressure goes slowly increases throughout the day again and then they nap and then it drops again when she, I was just explain explain that. I was like, oh, okay, so I don't have to do much, really. I just yeah. yeah, and sometimes babies will need um a bit of sort of not not even support is the word, but um something to help them feel a little bit calmer or a bit 
not to relax them, but sort of some, you know, and a lot of babies that's going to be a feed or it's going to be some movement in a carrier or in a car or something like that. But, but it's this kind of junction with sleep pressure where if that sleep pressure isn't high enough, they're not going to be ready to sleep yet. And if it's really high, they're more likely to drop off easily. And I think that's that kind of crossroads where if we're trying to put babies to sleep or down for a nap, in whatever way, before their sleep pressure is high enough, they're either not going to go to sleep or they're going to sort of fight it for a period of time until their sleep pressure is high enough and then they'll sleep. Exactly it. So many mums would say, took me an hour to rock baby to sleep. But yeah. now, you know, it's like, well, they weren't ready. Yeah. And they, they say rocked them to sleep for an hour for a 15-minute nap and they just feel like so sad about it because all of that effort. Yeah. And it's all that time. And it's so, um, this is what I mean about the, the mental space that it takes to be trying to fix a problem too is really hard. Um, and, and our, our baby's sleep needs often changing as they get older and with their development. And, and I found that a bit sometimes with my son, like he's usually quite easy to get to bed. We, he goes to bed about 9 PM, which I know in, you know, like that might seem really late. Yeah. <laughs> but you know for him um that that works and again that's when his sleep pressure is high enough um but yeah I've you know most of the time he'll be sort of you know from when we start bed to asleep will be 15 minutes or less um but sometimes there's nights where he's faffing about and he's laughing and he's clapping that's this is his latest thing is clapping and just you know like mucking about doing stuff and and I can feel myself getting frustrated but what I often do is I just think okay he's obviously not tired enough yet and and I try like I and something I you know recommend with clients is setting a bit of a, a time limit in, in your head, whether it's ten minutes, whether it's fifteen minutes, whatever you're comfortable with, and then going right if they're not asleep, you know, in this time, let's move on with our day. You know, we're giving them the opportunity to sleep, but their sleep pressure just might not be high enough yet. And so what we do it, you know, when he does that at night, um, and it's hard to recognize in the moment, I think too. So for mums listening, don't be hard on yourself if you do rock your baby to sleep for an hour and then they fall asleep and you come out and think, oh my gosh, why did I spend an hour doing that? Like in the moment, it's sometimes hard to recognize. But, but you know, overall you might look back and go, ah, oh, okay, I think maybe, you know, um, he or she just wasn't quite tired enough yet. And so like when my son does this, um, and it's often when he's had a later nap in the day, um, we'll just bring him back out and he'll, we'll sit in the lounge room with the lighting dim and I'll usually have a snack because by then, like, that's when I'll have my chocolate or whatever. And my partner and I will just sit there and talk and he's quite happy playing because he still isn't tired enough. He still needs that sensory nourishment. And then he'll start, you know, looking a bit, I say looking a bit tired, but I don't want to like, you know, put all these tired signs in there, but you know, he's just not really happy playing anymore. He just, you know, he wants some cuddles and he, he's at an age now where he can kind of pull up my top a bit when he wants a feed. So, so then I take him in and then he falls asleep in 10 minutes and it's just, you know, and, and we can use that approach in the day as well in that, you know, we can off, we can support them and we can kind of offer them the opportunity to sleep. It might be in the carrier, it might be with a feed, but if they don't take it, then we can just get on with our day and they will take it when they're ready. I think what came up for me then was um, our ne- our last myth about um, the sleep associations because I'm like, well, I've just made all this effort and I've created all this beautiful sleep environment, sleeping bag. I've done this um, calming bath and we've got the essential oils going and it's dark and the white noise is on. And now you're telling me you're not ready to sleep and I have to bring you back out into, yeah. into more stimulation. Is that not going to cause more issues? But it doesn't. 
and look and and people can experiment with their baby as well and find what works um I think it's it's understanding that biology and then trialing different things and also acknowledging the age of babies as well so especially babies under four months and not generally going to do sleep associations really you know some some might but their brain is just not really at the capacity where they can really do habits and routines yet but for older kids and especially toddlers sometimes that sort of um pre-bed routine can be helpful in giving them a bit of sort of structure in their day and you know what to expect um but again you know yeah when you have all these sort of rules and and steps that you must follow it does make yeah it, it it makes it harder doesn't it and it pulls you away from I guess trusting your baby um and and don't get me wrong you know we do have a pretty regular thing where at night we um you know have a bathroom you know shower and then you know he gets dressed and he has some crazy time sort of you know playing on the bed and um goes in his sleeping bag has a feed and then that's you know kind of how he goes to sleep um and we do use white noise but again it's about experimenting and I know white noise is not really a possum's thing um but we live on a really busy street and where our bedroom is is at the front of the house and it's you know in the early hours of the morning we have experimented with having the white noise off and I do feel like he wakes more I feel like I wake more as well though in that time so it's kind of you know looking at uh what works for for a family and sleep associations I think um I think where they become problematic is when they become a hard and fast rule Mm. and especially when we're trying to follow that with little babies um they just you know little babies their sleep pressure usually does build quite quickly and sometimes we can be just kind of wasting time that we could be resting or or you know eating or having a break or whatever by trying to do this long drawn out sleep routine yeah so it you don't necessarily have to have a bedtime routine no no and and some families might find it helpful but uh, just as some adults find it helpful, you know, how some people can just, you know, be watching TV or working or just, you know, and then they can just go to bed. Whereas other people need a bit of time to have a cup of tea or, you know, just read or just, you know, brush their teeth or like we, for most of us as adults, I think we actually do have a bit of a bedtime routine. It might be quite short though. And so with babies, same kind of thing. Some kids probably do benefit for a bit of a, a longer drawn out uh, not drawn out, but a longer bedtime routine. Um, and it's probably about meeting their sensory needs as well. So, um, it, and I think this takes time to, if you're thinking, I don't, I don't know when, what my baby needs when they're tired, when they're like, I think it takes time to, to work out sometimes. And sometimes we don't get it right. Um, like sometimes I've thought, oh yeah, he looks tired. Let's, you know, go do a feed and we'll, you know, put the white noise on and whatever. And he won't go to sleep. And Ooh. so I think, okay, <laughs> you probably weren't tired, whatever. Um, let's just move on. But um, but yeah, I think, you know, and other nights, like when he, now that he's a bit older, I find it easier to get that sensory stimulation in because he is crawling and he's, you know, can go through the Tupperware drawer and he can crawl around. And I found it a lot more tiring when I felt like I had to be so much the entertainment and we had to get out of the house so much for him to sort of fill his sensory cup as well. Um, so now I find it a little bit less tiring, but, um, yeah sometimes sometimes we do do quite a you know a drawn out shower and where we play around and we do you know different games and stuff whereas other times it's literally like a two minute shower because I can tell he's getting tired and so I think you know that bedtime routine can work for some babies can work for some families um but it doesn't have to be the same every night it doesn't have to be a certain way of how it looks especially younger babies you can experiment with what works for you 
baby and what you like doing. You know, for me, I like showering at night anyway. So I'll get in the shower first and sort of do, you know, what I need to do and have that, that chill out time. And then my partner will pass me Archie. And like I said, depending on how tired he is or, you know, and it's not necessarily even time-based about, you know, he's got to be in bed by nine, but looking at how is he looking? You know, is he getting a bit whingy? Is he getting a bit like not wanting to play anymore? Or does he seem really interested in the shower heads? And so we just kind of follow his cues a bit more with that. So you don't have to do things like, especially in the day where you get told you need a dark room, you need to put them down in their car, you need to do the white noise, you need to put the sleeping bag on every time you nap. This is what I was told with Monty. Yeah, yeah. Look, and and no, you don't need to. Um, I think what really is a helpful shift is really making a difference with babies between days and night. And I know Possums has this really good saying, which I always think in the back of my head, is that days are for living and nights are for sleeping. And so how we treat day sleep with babies can be and probably probably would be beneficial for a lot of babies to be quite different to how we treat their night sleep. So at night, yes, it can be helpful to have, you know, that darkish environment and some people will find white noise works or, or, you know, their bedtime routine kind of thing. But I think in the days we can really just focus on the days after living our life and, and life with our baby and doing things that help to fill our cup um, and our baby will take the sleep that they need and we can take the pressure off how much sleep they get uh all together but especially in the day I think and also over I think it's probably good to mention about how sleep isn't just in the 24-hour cycle sleep sort of evens out over this probably a good sort of five to seven days sometimes even a bit longer so each day is probably not going to look the same either with how much sleep a baby takes especially in the day because they might have days you know where they they have a little bit less and the next day they might take a little bit more and that's normal and that's what we do as adults too right but with a lot of the sleep training industry, it's very rigid and each day being the same, which isn't isn't really going to probably work for most babies and most mums. No, so true. And I, I try and obviously I was told to get a schedule and they need routine, yeah. need routine. But this guy's like, he sleeps whenever he wants to sleep. And I'm okay with that now since mm-hmm. understanding that it's fine and, and I just take the pressure off. Yeah. And it's a, it's a real like mental shift, isn't it? Because... Like the routine's great and it helps you to kind of live your day a bit, you know, like as in I think it's really, again, it's really normal to wish that your baby was a higher sleep needs kid or to wish that you did have a set nap schedule because that seems like, you know, that that seems like that would make your days easier. And in some ways it does because it means, you know, our brains like that predictability. They like that schedule. A lot of us before babies have been working and things where we do have a pretty rigid schedule of what we do each day. And so then a baby just mentally throws that totally out of whack um, and practically. So I think, it, you know, it, it, acknowledging that drive that for some of us, we do feel like the schedule's going to be helpful, but it might not work for our baby and meeting that in the middle but but again looking at kind of the the positives of having a lower sleep needs baby or a baby that doesn't rely on a solid schedule is it does give you more flexibility in the day um you know once you get get used to things like okay how are we going to make this work do we take the carrier you know like I would just and I still do now we have two carriers and I always have one in the car because I always know that um if he needs to he'll fall asleep in the carrier so even if I'm out somewhere, if I'm at a lunch with my family or something and I want to stay a bit longer, I don't have to rush home to get him to sleep or to put him in the car because that's the only way that he'll sleep or, you know, I can feed him and he'll fall asleep. Like 
I think that that idea of that sleep pressure building and then these things to just help them I can't remember I'm having a blank on the actual possum's term for like the, the ways to just help them relax yeah. um, to, to allow this sleep pressure to build up to give them kind of that safe place where they can drop off to sleep and I think that's that myth of overtired is that their adrenaline's too high and they're they're in this cycle and you can sometimes see that like some people say to me oh my my baby does get overtired like I can see that they're really wound up and then that's when we'd maybe look at is their drive to sleep quite high but they don't feel that kind of comfort that and like I said I'm blanking on the actual possum's term for it but um does that make sense like I think sometimes we can having a possum's term it's, it kind of lets people know that it's just that's the kind of idea of how babies yeah. are and sometimes I can see like sometimes um uh you know we'll be out somewhere and um he will be I can see he's getting tired and I can see he's probably wanting a feed or he's wanting to, you know, the motion of the car or the carrier or something like that. And we might be getting a bit tied up because I might be like at an appointment that's running late or I might be, um, you know, at a family thing where I'm saying goodbye to everybody. And so I can tell he's tired and I'm like, all right, we need like, you know, I can tell when he's getting a bit grisly. And sometimes people say things like, oh, you know, I can tell you're tired, you're getting overtired. And it's like, well, he's not really overtired. He's just tired. <laughs> he's just ready to sleep and he will when he's kind of ready like when we you know we don't and I don't ever feel like it's a mad environment for him to sleep yeah yeah and so it gives you you know like it's given me a lot of flexibility in um like I think it was a definite it's a definite like learning curve like when I know sometimes when I'm talking to parents and they start implementing possums they just feel like their days are just very out of control because they're so unpredictable you know with what their baby's going to do and I think it can take a bit to, to to change that lens of how we're looking at things and um, to find out what works. Like I said, for me, it was always making sure that I had the carrier in the car because it meant that wherever I was, you know, I knew that that would help, you know, to sort of calm him or he would feel comfortable there and that would let help me to take the pressure off a bit, I guess. I think it depends on the person as well. If you're a person who needs routine, then it yeah. will be comfortable. But for me, I'm just like, this is great. I, I can do what I want. I can run around with Monty, mm. not worrying that I'm harming Arthur by not putting him down in a dark environment and in a cot. I'm having to just run around, um, start, like doing a BMX track with Monty and this guy just comes along for the ride. Yeah. And when I had that appointment and they said, yeah, that's great. I was like, what? I didn't do it wrong. <laughs> and this is the thing, like, this is where, like, third, third, second, third babies often end up being kind of like what we call possums babies anyway. Yeah. They do get dragged around to all the other kiddos' activities. And that was always my thing in the first, like, you know, well, even now, I guess, too. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to, um, you know, if I feel like I need to get out of the house and go for a walk, I'll do that more for me than for him, you know, but I know he'll be happy and he'll enjoy it. And if he's tired, he'll fall asleep. So that's fine. Or, you know, for me, I am someone that likes socializing and, and that kind of thing and getting out of the house. Like I think for me being at home with a baby all day would drive me nuts. And so, um, well, not drive me nuts, but I would find it harder. I would find it's probably harder. I would feel like I have to put in more effort to keep him entertained. And I then I would feel like I'm really tired and I'm really drained. And so, like, I'll, you know, often, um, you know, I would go to cafes or I would, um, not so much now because he's calling, it's a little bit tricky, but I'll, you know, we'll go to the library or something and, and I'll just get, like, a takeaway coffee and he'll crawl around and, you know, I feel like I can listen to a podcast even. Um, so I'm still getting kind of all of that, that um, you know, all of that sensory 
stimulation for me and for him as well. Um, but I didn't feel the pressure that I had to be at home to, to keep him in the dark room or to, you know, to do those things. And, and I think again, um, even as I'm talking, I realize how much of this stuff is just normal for me now. Like the idea that he has to be in a dark room to sleep, I did, that just doesn't even cross my mind. Sometimes he does. And sometimes in the day, you know, we do close the blinds a bit if I feel like it's really bright. Or, but I think that's just because he's a kid that, again, you play it by ear. Like you sort of, sometimes I think, okay, you know, um, your sleep pressure probably isn't as high as it could be, but I think you're sort of getting tired and I've got something to do. So you kind of, you know, you experiment a bit. And sometimes I'll be like, right, I think yeah, sleep pressure is maybe 90% of where it could be for a nap. So I am going to close the blinds at the start because else I feel like he'll keep playing. Um, or, you know, other times where he's really, he's really tired because we've been out and we've been doing stuff. I just, I just go straight in the room and don't put the wide noise on, don't close the blinds because I don't think he needs it. So I think it's just the permission to experiment, I guess. I love that, that you've ended on that because it's, it's, it's again, seeing this as some examples that you can do that will help you and your mm-hmm. baby understand them. And there's not right or wrong in this. We're just explaining things that you can do as mm-hmm. a and just take the pressure off. And look, if it works for someone for their baby to be in a dark environment or to have white noise or to use a sleeping bag, um, that's fine. And if you're not sure, if you're thinking, oh, am I doing all this effort for no reason, try without it and see what happens. And try over a few days too, like not just one night. It's so, I mean, I do it all the time. Like when he sleeps amazingly, the next day you go, what did we do yesterday? I'm like, what did I do? I need to recreate that exact day. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, you know, it's it's so... Um, it's it evens out over more days than that and that's why I've kind of tried to share a bit more of our experience because I know you know for me as a mum like I was I was I understood the possum's approach but it was more like how does this how is this actually going to look in the day and that's why I try and share quite a bit on social media and stuff because it's like you know just knowing things like um even going to like a shopping center for example for him when he was younger you know sometimes instead of me just going to the supermarket near me I would go to Marion and I would you know um just window shop a bit or I'd be like oh I need to you know I know a lot of mums find online shopping great because you know they can get stuff delivered but when he was younger I would actually find it really great to go out because it gave him that sensory stimulation and I could research you know whatever I needed to so just having examples or trying to think outside the box a bit I think um would just you know to to make things work for your family and for your baby yeah nice is there anything that you want um, listeners to know just to leave with? I think um, I think really just acknowledging that uh, infant sleep, especially across the first 12 months, can be quite up and down. Most babies will wake at night in that time, particularly the first six months. Uh, I think if someone's listening and they're pregnant, you know, learning about what's normal biological sleep can, could be really helpful in knowing what to expect with a baby or, or how it could look because all babies are different. But you know, what that spectrum of normal is so that we're not feeling like there's a problem that, that maybe isn't a, a problem. Um, maybe um, if if people are struggling with their baby and their baby's sleep, knowing there is help out there that's not sleep training, um, and that's why, you know, there's lots of different programs out there. Two possums is sort of one um, approach. Um, there's others that are, that are great as well, but it's it's just knowing that there is support out there that you can you can get support for this you know you don't have to just wing it on your own 
um I you know our GP that we take my son to is possums trained as well and and you know I haven't booked a consultation with them or anything but we've had little discussions and you know just bouncing ideas off of her and things is helpful so I think knowing that the support is out there um with lots of you know not just me when I'm accredited but there's lots of possums practitioners that can help people and help you to do what's comfortable for you and what meets your needs um as a mum as a person as well as helping to meet your baby's sensory needs and how that can actually make their sleep better is a whole like mind-blown kind of thing isn't it and I love that it's it's just that there are ways out there where you don't have to do sleep training sleep coaching so for me it didn't resonate and I didn't like those words and I was always looking for something just to help me understand baby um and just be okay with what I'm doing and just make tweaks to support them and I think that's why I wanted this episode just to be talked about Mm. thank you this has been amazing so helpful I've I've even learned more um in this conversation as well so that's great and like I said I tried to share more I guess my experience as a mum implementing the possums approach too because I'm not officially accredited yet so um you know I, I didn't want to talk too much about I guess the practitioner side of things but um yeah like I said like it's made a massive difference to me and and having a low sleep needs baby and you know it's challenging but it's not you know I felt like uh, you know over this year people had said to me oh my god I can't believe he's been waking every two hours for months like how are you still standing and it hasn't felt that bad because I've looked at other ways to support my sleep and rest as well that's different to his sleep yeah it's definitely you shift that mindset and you're like okay what can I control then yeah yeah yep exactly and there's actually quite a lot we can't control with our baby sleep and contrary to the messaging that we get and the messaging is so strong that's also why I really wanted to do this episode with you because it's everywhere especially on social media like it's you know and and even calves as well you know calves can be fantastic um with their support for different things but sometimes um sometimes the sleep advice can be quite that sort of first wave probably not always up to date with the latest research around baby sleep as well and that's you know and then there's social media and there's mums groups and there's all of these and there's a lot of like well this is what I did for my baby and this works so you should do this but every baby's so different so and that's why I say you know for other babies the white noise and the dark room might work and if you're doing that in the day and you are happy with how your baby's sleeping and your nights are manageable you don't need to change anything yeah but if they're not and things are becoming hard, especially if the nights are becoming hard, um, because really that's when we want our baby to sleep, right? Really, the days probably don't matter as much, but it's the night time. But if, if nights are becoming really hard and unmanageable and unsustainable, that's when we can start shifting things. But if you're happy with your baby's sleep, you don't need to change anything. Don't listen to us on this. You can just sit, transfer this um, episode onto someone who need, who's <laughs> struggling. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's probably the biggest thing, knowing that, you know baby sleep is hard you know and it it doesn't um it doesn't have to be stressful or overwhelming but it can be challenging and and there's lots of different ways that we can we can support mums thank you so much i'm going to actually share the link of how to get in contact with hannah if you're looking for midwife lactation consultant hypnobirthing guru whiz kid possums very soon (laughs) um as always if you have any questions or comments please drop them at realtalkformums at gmail.com and like share our podcast share it with other mums and dads who may need to listen to this um if it's going to help them uh thanks so much hannah great thanks lara